0: A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series.
1: I remember Turn it on the TV to the Cubs game. Sitting with my dad to watch his hero. And welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast, now hanging out with Obstructive View. We are not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs. We're just a bunch of fans who love the local nine and talking baseball, including the 2016 World Series Champion Cubs. This again with me is Adam from Obstructive View. How's it going, Adam?
0: It is going great. Now that we have one more Cody on the roster. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not Ransom or Russ either. It's a Bellinger.
0: It's a real Cody.
1: <laughs> uh, not, not an uh, used Cody. I actually I was having trouble getting to sleep. So I went out at like midnight to charge my car because I have an electric car. And, and then when I, I was sitting there waiting for it to charge, uh, I saw my phone buzz and I was like, Oh, huh, interesting. And I saw the Passan bomb. <laughs> so it it was a very interesting time to be awake at
0: the right time. I, I have to admit, I was pretty surprised to see an email from you about, hey, maybe we should do a podcast at 630 in the morning, because I know, and that's central time. So I was like, well, You must have sent it much earlier than that, and you did, but it was more like midnight your time. So that was a a welcome start to the day.
1: Yeah, and uh, right now, spring training is underway. The Cactus League is in full bloom or whatever it is cactuses do, Uh, cacti. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we can talk a bunch about the random minor league signings. We can talk about Belly, of course some stuff that Tom Ricketts and Jed Hoyer said. We did get to see Christopher Morel at third base and he doesn't suck so that's really cool. And how's that for a plan, sir? I love this plan! I'm excited to be a part of it!
0: Let's do it! I'm all for it. Let's do it. As the spring gave away to summer past
1: the ivy-colored dreams toward the days that kept us for tomorrow. So I think we start with the uh, big fish. Cody Bellinger is in. He is here for effectively three years and $80 million, which is a far cry from the $200 million they were rumored to be trying to get. From my point of view, this sounds like another pillow contract, but there's some security baked into it for Cody Bellinger right now, and also some protection for the Cubs against that $200 million fail that could happen, but we hope doesn't.
0: Yeah, it's a, it, it's kind of a, a a small upgrade for him from last year, more time baked into it, and he's you know 30 million instead of whatever it was. A, 23 million I want to say it was last year which kind of reflects that you know if you're getting the same Cody as last year the same performance that he had or better it's still worth it if you're getting any of the versions of Bellinger from the three seasons prior then he will have been glad to have that extra three years or that those extra two seasons tacked on but when you see the value go down the way it does on the third season, it really is like uh if he gets hurt, if he reverts back to what he was in the COVID years, he he's got guaranteed income. So yeah, it it, it was kind of a long shot for him to expect to get into that two hundred million neighborhood. I can I could have seen someone doing it if they were really in the kind of Similar to what the Rockies did with Chris Bryant, when they just went out on a limb and said, "Hey, he's he's gonna return to form," nobody did it, but it was worth a shot to hold out to see if if someone might. And he he still comes out with kind of a similar to what Carlos Correa had uh, in his first deal with the Twins.
1: Yeah, it does have the like opt out basically every year, and you know, obviously you can't opt out of the third year because that's his free agent walk year <laughs> but uh he, he is going essentially year to year they they get to reevaluate that every single off season, and it's really cool because i i feel like now you've taken the pressure off of matt mervis or michael bush or of course pete crow armstrong so they don't have to start at the major league level, they can get regular at bets and not struggle so much and then come up when they're more ready. Or maybe they are ready and they just want to manipulate service time, which nobody says out loud. But still, it's one of those things where now you've given yourself yet another set of additional options.
0: Yeah, it it sure seems like the prospects who are on the brink of coming up, I don't know that there are any players who it really seems like they'll be manipulating service, or at least they have a pretty good excuse for why they would keep really any of them down for a month or two to, to start the season. So there's no one who has that Terry Wood or Chris Bryant look to them Whereas it's just like, OK, obviously we know the exact date these guys are coming up. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone who's in that sure thing for this year. We know they're going to be here. Status. So, yeah, you're right. It gives flexibility to kind of play the hot hand with the the prospects who might be ready to come up and they have a a more solid, dependable guy. Again, you zoom in on last year, Bellinger looks like a great addition to the team that they absolutely could not avoid making. If you zoom out the previous three seasons, uh, you go back to let's hope. We fixed what was wrong. I know where I stand, but what are your feelings on was the problem of what happened to Cody three seasons prior? Was that identified and solved for sure? How confident are you that he's actually fixed it and that it's not something he's going to revert back to?
1: So, I guess I'm kind of one of those optimistic but still realistic kind of people where I hope to God that's like more often than not, they, their bat runs into the ball on the sweet spot and it goes where it ain't. Uh, I feel like what Cody has done over the past season, 2023, he made an adjustment such that, like, you know, the stat cast numbers, if you're just looking at it on a spreadsheet, it looks terrible. But you're looking at somebody who's actually kind of trying to Ichiro or Tony Gwynn the ball to where they ain't. And that was really cool. And then there's like issues with if you don't have enough extra velocity, maybe you're not hitting enough home runs or whatever. But he's apparently hitting them to the right part of the field and pulling it enough that all the balls that he's pulling in the air end up turning into home runs. So I'd have no idea if he's super lucky or if it's in a mirage. I'm not smart enough to say one way or the other. I I think most people would probably be guessing, even though they're they're like, you know, Baseball Prospectives or Baseball America or whatever, they're smarter than me. They're Keith Law, yada, yada. But I feel like he's a hard enough worker. He's obviously healthy. I think a lot of it had to do with the injury because, you know, they he uh, did the weird high-five thing with Kihei Hernandez, and then he just wasn't the same, right? But I honestly don't know, and I think that's part of the attractiveness of this year-to-year is that, you know, if I don't know, then... At least the team is protected. At least Cody got paid for his, his previous work like he should have been, you know, deserving of. And uh, I'm just hopeful. But I honestly have no idea. I just think that as a left-handed power bat who can play multiple positions, there's some value in that. But obviously, like the other three Boris clients, he had warts that were kind of, I wouldn't say obvious, but they could be there. And that's borne out by the so-called underlying metrics.
0: Yeah, I think the encouraging thing for me with Bellinger is that most of his best contributions to last season happened after he got hurt in Houston. So it seemed like he began the year like, OK, this is going to be at least not a disaster, like just his defense and not terrible offense. Looks like the move to add him to the roster is going to pay off. And then he got hurt and he was out and you really felt like, oh, man, I I didn't realize how bad the Cubs needed Bellinger until he was gone. And then when he came back, it was like he was on fire. And so. That was encouraging to me because it was like he probably didn't fully recover from hurting his knee. So I look at the end of last year as no matter what the exit velocity is and what we would have expected his bobip or however you want to pronounce it, what we would have expected it to, to be, I took it as a good sign that he was trying to get on base by hitting the ball the other way and it was working and he was still pulling the ball with power when he needed to and probably didn't have a healthy Bellinger for most of the season, but like that'll bear out in the season. We'll we'll see if, if he really fixed it. He, he had identified it as he got stronger. And so that enabled him to get to some of the places where he had, had a hole in his swing and have uh, better control on hitting balls the other way and i I kind of bought that as a as an explanation for why he might be doing better and i I take it as a, enough evidence to reasonably hope that he might even improve on what he did last year. but obviously <laughs> the the luck that seems to strike this team and Every year, but 2016 can prove me quite wrong. But I think we have reasons to be hopeful that he's going to have a, a similar, if not better year this year. And can maybe carry the the weight of center field uh, more than just, just being a better than average defensive first baseman.
1: Yeah, I think he would probably be the primary backup to for Peakro Armstrong. He would be the guy that stays in the lineup even against tough lefties. I don't know who who they're moving into center field, I guess, like if they carry Alexander Canario as the DH. Now that Morell is uh at third base, maybe he can stand in center field because you probably don't want Hap there and you definitely don't want like a Mastroboni or, uh, or say a Suzuki there. They should stay in the corners, right? But, uh, that, that buys them like, you know, anywhere from two weeks to several months that they don't have to use PCA. And if he actually shows out and wins the opening, Day, you know, center fielder job. You still have a backup center fielder who is elite and has won a Gold Glove, and that's good. But uh, yeah, it's just a lot of options, a lot of flexibility, and you have Cray Council. So hopefully, it all just kind of meshes together. I did want to ask you though, because we had been waiting ever since the you know the five days after the World Series, all the way up to literally midnight, uh, Pacific. <laughs> This morning, Cody Bellinger hadn't signed. None of the Boris clients had signed. Uh, Ricketts had said his thing about how they were expecting to spend up to the luxury tax line and not too much further. And they'll go over it if they need to, but they weren't planning on it, etc cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of paraphrasing here. But essentially, like everybody's take home message was we're spending to this artificial salary cap and this far and no further, right? And the funny thing is, even after they've signed uh Cody Bellinger, like his AAV right now, if he doesn't opt out, is twenty six point seven million. Uh if he does opt out, it becomes like, you know, thirty million for this this past year. So it goes up by like three million or so. Uh either way, both of those numbers get to like a few million just below that two hundred and thirty-seven million dollar mark that starts getting them taxed. So, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was probably planned, right, but I didn't know if that changed your mind about how you felt about the team because I think we we are the prototypical angry old men who who just kind of like freak out when the cubs don't do what we think should be done, and now that they've done it, does that change our minds a little bit?
0: Well, I always look at it in two different perspectives: one, I just want. The best team. Like I, I don't necessarily care if they add on free agents or if it's mostly a core of players under team control. Like I don't want to sign free agents just for the sake of signing free agents. I don't want to judge the team based strictly on what the payroll is. There is wisdom in cultivating a roster of younger players who you've developed in a way that make them a great baseball team, whatever it is that the Tampa Bay Rays are doing to, uh, to continue to, to compete with, I don't want to say no name, but obviously no big names from the, the salary standpoint. Um, But if the Cubs want to do their version of that, that's fine by me like i i i I wouldn't mind if the cubs payroll went down simply because they were developing their own players and, and paying less for them with the the caveat that i would want them to when there was a free agent available that they could pay a ton that they should be very competitive on that market and they they haven't really been. They've been competitive in the same way that the Bulls have been competitive uh the past couple of years. Like, they might win sometimes, but you're not expecting them to dominate. It's the same thing with the, the Cubs and free agents. They might sign some big names that a lot of people want, but the Otanis, the Sotos, guys in that upper, upper tier of superstars, I'm just not expecting them to get because... They're not, you know, I want them to make good, good decisions. I want them to sign and acquire players because they're good, not because they're popular. But that said, whatever they do in the name of just the rickets being cheap and not wanting to go over that, uh, that salary cap, like when that's the reason they don't do anything, that is ridiculous. That's the thing I can't stand. And those comments from from Ricketts that on the more management speak side were, Oh yeah, we're going to try and get whatever we can. We're going to be competitive, but we're not going to spend just for the sake of spending. And then when he really put it out there of what it would take for us to go over that threshold would be more revenue. Like where basically he said, <laughs> I'm not going to cut into my profits. That I just can't stand. You know, where it basically his philosophy is, we're going to compete to the level that it makes sense for me financially. And what makes sense for him financially is him making a ton more money than he did the previous year. Not just not losing money. That's yeah. the part I can't stand. That it just it, it's it's deflating. Um, but it, as you mentioned, the way the numbers line up you can see he was being honest <laughs> even through the bs that he was laying down reading between the the shit-soaked lines <laughs> you uh, can tell yep he's not intending to spend a whole lot more and that that pick up garrett cooper yeah that, he's uh, a former
1: marlins uh first baseman i think I don't actually know if they uh, designated him for assignment or they non-tendered him or whatever, but he's he was apparently available and now he's a non-roster invitee. And that does make me wonder if they're going to move like one of, uh, say, a Patrick Wisdom or a Mike Talkman or a Nick Madrigal or a Master Boney to make room because the roster is full right now. Uh, Cody Bellinger needs a spot, otherwise he like officially can't play. <laughs> so mm-hmm. someone has to move, and the one that I'm thinking is most likely to move is probably Patrick Wisdom at this point, because Garrett Cooper would kind of replace him as the right-handed lefty masher, right? So I I honestly don't know what they're going to do, but that's what I think is going to happen. And then if they're going to add yet another pitcher, now they're going to need spots down the line. And eventually, somebody, unfortunately, is going to get hurt. Uh, Somebody's going to underperform. They'll get more roster spots that way. But in, in the immediate term, they do need that roster spot for Cody and so like you mentioning Garrett Cooper and the other guys like Don Smith or David Peralta, I think Smith actually has a wrist injury, so he's not here for a few. He probably hasn't opt out like much later than spring training, but Peralta probably has one. Like If he doesn't make the team, he's out, so there's a chance he makes the team. And all these guys actually... Like, they kept just signing these random, they're playing for space, or they can play the outfield, or whatever, or look at PCA, he's doing so well in this first game. Like, all those things seem to just kind of converge at the same time to make either Boris or Cody Bellinger say, okay, we give up, just give us what you want, this, this contract, because at some point, we do need to play to show that we're valuable. We want some... Some kind of guaranteed money, but we want the flexibility to go back and try to get even more money next year when people aren't as colludy or whatever.
0: Yeah, and it, it, I kind of get the feeling that the deal with Bellinger might have been agreed on in principle for a few days, and they might just be, you know, shuffling the other Titanic deck chairs to to figure out exactly how they're going to make everything else work. Because you're right, they're there are a lot of players on that last tier on the roster of, well, they could contribute, but they're not must haves. And the writing on the wall doesn't look good for, for Patrick wisdom. As much as I like having him on the bench, you know, I wouldn't be shocked for him to be kind of the, the, the right casualty. council effects yeah. casualty. Yeah. yeah. Where it because it, it seems like council has positive things to say about Madrigal, and he seems to want morell to spend a fair amount of time at third base. Uh, it doesn't seem like Chapman is going to be a thing for the Cubs, so yeah, he might not have yeah. enough
1: money to do that. Like I was really hoping that they could find a way to squeeze, you know, Bell Bellinger and say a joy in montgomery on un, onto the payroll but i don't think that's going to happen anymore unless like they find a super deferral <laughs> but uh,
0: in, unless ricketts wins the lottery or something right. and he gets that revenue he wants to be able to to pay the surcharge on whoever he adds uh,
1: <sighs> i thought they got tons of revenue i i don't. I guess they're not going to get as much revenue now because all the jerseys suck now but
0: uh <laughs> <laughs> they might like get the revenue sportsbook. from selling last year's jerseys
1: yeah, uh, premium pricing. <laughs> yeah. So instead of a 40% off sale, is a 40% surcharge because this is your last chance to get the good ones.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the classic Coke. <laughs> the new jerseys will be the new Coke, and they'll they'll sell retro jerseys with legible. They might as well put a QR code on the jerseys. <laughs> dude. I, I'm old. I can't see that well i'm forever lost like i'm not i'm not getting anything from uh looking at the screen and like if i know their number great but yeah it's got to be a super duper close-up for me to to read the jersey now
1: yeah the a lot of the jersey patches are kind of lame like i've seen people suggest like they put an old style patch or Lou malnati's I think they have a piece of shield, but I'm not sure. Uh, There there are a number of ways that you could do that. Like the ones that I've seen are like for. Do you remember the not so good sequel to Major League? Uh, It was called Major League Two. And uh, Roger Dorn had bought the team and he was running out of money. So he put like. You know, local ads on the on the outfield, and one of them was like a Proctology ad, and and there was like some some other stuff that was really goofy. But it's essentially like that. Like a, a lot of those jersey patches are kind of weird advertisement that you don't normally associate with baseball. But Chicago has so many like iconic properties. Like you know, you could do an Al's Italian Beef or a Portillo's or something. You know, Lou Malnati's even. And I think they can make quite a bit of money. And I guess the uniform uh, watch people were seeing that, oh, uh, depending on their handedness, the the bear patch on the sleeve is going on one side or the other, which tells you that the other side is now open for a patch. So it's probably going to happen. We just don't know when.
0: Yeah, and I'll be surprised if they don't sell some type of gambling, advertising, just because adding a sports book to Wrigley Field, I think they want to encourage as much betting as they can. I know the rules in Illinois are weird, so they'll probably do something specific to Illinois. But that would be my guess, is that's how they're going to... And, and almost like... And, and they, they won't follow up on it, but I could almost see the whole crying poor again like oh we can't really add any other big names unless we find some new revenue like that whole sob story being the justification the pr justification for well yeah we're gonna we're gonna sell ads and and use patches and do all kinds of promotions for gambling because that's what's going to make it possible for us to afford better players
1: they They literally have a sports book now like i I think there's some issues with licensing so that they can't make it like a full on gambling establishment just yet, but it it is open right I haven't been back in a while like we're moving back soon, so i I guess eventually we'll we'll see it but it, it sounds like it's open it's functional it's just you can't bit there yet, so they they need to fix that part once they fix that part uh it should. Be able to generate some kind of revenue.
0: Yeah, I, I can't picture the sports book without imagining the characters from Eight Men Out <laughs> standing around it, <laughs> like the how the gamblers would be at the ball field, you know, prior to the Black Sox scandal changing the way that that baseball related to the the gambling industry. But
1: yeah, I don't know if you're a bigger NFL fan than I, I am. Probably because I I don't care anymore. I did watch the Super Bowl. That was fun. But uh, the thing is, like, NFL obviously is in with DraftKings and stuff. So is the NBA. But they punish their players for betting on games. And I'm trying to figure out, like, what's the policy on that? And is there a way to protect the player from that? So if Ian Happ were to walk in and put, like, $5 on a game that he's not even in, does he get in trouble? Or is that okay? You know, like... Obviously, he, he has more than five dollars, but uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, i I I don't know verbatim the the rules, but I I don't believe there. Uh, I'm sure there would be uh, a punishment, uh, possibly a suspension for uh, players gambling. I, I don't. I I think gamblers. And bookies and all those establishments don't want players involved any more than anybody else does, because baseball doesn't want the integrity of the games to be questioned. But gamblers sure don't want <laughs> people to be uh, cheating. Uh, when people when people bet with good information or with inside information and stuff isn't on the level, that's when they risk losing money. I don't think they would want players gambling at all. And I don't think they would want them gambling even on other sports. But that's, that's where we'd have to do a deep dive into what the actual rules are. But I know it's, it's suspension if you're betting on your own sport. Uh, it's worse if you're betting on your own team or a game that you're involved in. But the rules are, are pretty strict. And uh, the other thing from the NFL is that the, the income that they are uh, generating, the, the revenue is just skyrocketing for the NFL. It's funny, for as, as much grief as we give the owners for salary cap, the NFL salary cap has been around for, shoot, I guess, it was it 30 years now? The salary cap just keeps going up and up and up and up. It is skyrocketing. Uh yeah, so it's it, very lucrative. It has not really capped player income. Now the the union for the NFL is still kind of on the short side of the power struggle uh with the league, but the NFL players are getting paid.
1: Yeah, for sure, especially if you're a quarterback, apparently. <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah I, I don't think uh, that kind of system is coming to uh, be anytime soon. I feel like when you were saying all that, uh, talking about the players basically right outside Wrigley Field at the sportsbook, you know, either before or after the game, getting a drink, uh, that's probably a bad look. But then you think about like moving the team from Oakland to Vegas, and now you're literally like five steps from every casino outside the ballpark. So how's that going to look as well? I, I don't know but uh that, yeah. that's for several years down the line were you able to check out uh any of the games or highlights so far by the way
0: yeah yeah i have i've been able to to actually watch the first few games the first two games were pretty exciting because it was mostly the the guys on the prospect side of things and they were doing really well a lot of the regulars were playing in today's game and they <laughs> they couldn't score. So that really felt like very familiar from last year. <laughs> Did to see the offense struggle. But yeah, it's it's been it's been interesting, uh, seeing Brendan Davis do some things. There's Bush and then there's Shaw. And I always get them confused. Bush is the new guy and he hasn't played yet. He's supposed to play tomorrow. And Shaw is their was their first first round draft pick from Maryland. This past draft, right? Yeah.
1: So he's uh, shooting up the charts because he has really good bat-to-ball skills. Like, he's basically <laughs> got gap-to-gap uh, skills. I don't know if you can call that power yet, but they're hoping that comes. And he may or may not be the third baseman of the future. Because there there's some issues with arm strength, but that obviously didn't stop Nick Madrigal, right?
0: Nothing uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, stops he, Nick he, Madrigal.
1: Yeah, he had a couple of uh, very nice hits, and uh, that, that was really exciting. Uh, Pico Armstrong had, had a hustle double, and the one thing that I was really just excited about was seeing Christopher Morrell at third base, and he looks like he's comfortable, and that's good. Like, if you can make the throw across a diamond, and you can, like, you know— have the reflexes to snatch a ball out of the air like he did uh this past game that was really nice so i i'm feeling comfortable and confident about that uh if they keep giving him reps and if you keep showing out like that's your third baseman now you don't need a matt chapman you don't need unfortunately your hero nick madrigal uh starting at third base and uh christopher morel gets to play a position and you know get more value for himself
0: my thing with morel at, at third I think the athleticism is there, the reflexes are there. There's always the possibility that he'll flash the leather and look great on any one play. The problem is always going to be uh, consistency. How dependable can he be, game after game after game, routine plays, throws to second? Well, I guess we don't have to worry about the the pickoff throws to third from Wilson anymore. But that kind of like just how how reliable is he on a consistent basis it it was the same thing with wisdom like wisdom looks like a really good defender except on those plays when he's not (laughs) yeah
1: I, i think that was the same thing with like a david bode or even javi when he was there like sometimes the routine plays just aren't routine for some reason but the spectacular plays they get to and they give you hope but uh, he he did make a a few of the more routine plays. He showed a little bit of the shuffle, so I think the shuffle might be helping him with his timing, and the throw is getting to where it needs to be instead of tailing off like it used to for him. So I like if he just gets enough reps, I, I think that's the main thing. Like I think Council even said that like he he just needed reps.
0: I hope so. I hope so that I I think I allowed myself to start dreaming about a just uber defense you know where matt Chapman's manning third and the defense up the middle is great and, but possibly having pca and center and bellinger at first and just thinking man the the cubs could have just an all-world defense i, I guess we got enough of a taste of that last year when everybody was was healthy where There were times when the defense just looked so solid and it's so fun to watch, and it makes such a difference in how the pitching staff looks when the defense is just on, when it's suffocating, and it makes scoring runs so difficult for the other team, which makes the offense look so much better for the Cubs. Uh, It spoils
1: you, yeah. It's like yeah. really nice. You're just like expecting it all the time, and you're freaking out when oh my god, Nico booted the ball, and maybe he'll he'll just recover and throw him out anyway. But uh, it, it's like you're expecting excellence, and it's weird when Dansby Swanson makes a, an error in a spring training game, and you're just like well, this is his first game action, so what do you expect? At least get that out of the way, <laughs> so yeah. they can get that out of the way, and so far. It looks good, and if if they're just like going through the motions and turning that into muscle memory and making it, just letting it ride through through to the season, I'm okay with that. Like, uh I mean, our alternative is of course Nick Madrigal or Miles Mastroboni and Patrick Wisdom. So maybe you just let Morel do the itch but he he's just so athletic that I don't I think that would be a waste. I I want to see what he does at third base.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I i hope it i hope it works out. That is all the areas that's where I have probably the least confidence is that Morrell can become a consistent, uh, dependable defender at third. When outfielders work on their defense, I feel like that's something where they can typically make good strides. When it, it, an infielder, oh, just Getting more reps, I hope that that works out. It just seems like that's an area where it's very difficult to see meaningful improvement. But I really hope Morel proves me wrong and that he he does improve with more consistency in his reps. I just yeah, it won't I be. Don't fun. have high hopes in that regard. Yeah, it won't be
1: for lack of trying, like he, he's a hard worker and he's got the right attitude and so does everybody else. But, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out and then you move on. So it's it's good that they're, they're at least trying and doing it past, you know, their wishy-washiness from Winter League and from the past season. They're actually yeah. giving him a full run. And that's that's all I really ask. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. At least we know now, you know. So, yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if you were handicapping this, so like last week, this is before Cody Bellinger signed up or is reported to be signing as soon as they figure out who to boot from the roster. So the Cardinals are up top with somewhere between 83 to 85 wins in the projections the Cubs are right behind them at about 81-ish wins and then everybody else is behind so I feel like this is the kind of division where everybody can make strides even the Milwaukee Brewers who have like shed a lot of players and you know they traded away Burns Woodruff is back but he's hurt so he's not coming back for a while they don't have Hater. they don't have like you know a bunch of different guys so so now it's it's just a matter of do you think the cubs have enough to keep those guys down while catching the cardinals at this point
0: ah it's it's really tough i'm optimistic out of all the kind of prospect names in the cubs hat that they can draw a few winners that someone's going to emerge and produce consistently and magnificently as far as the cardinals like i I'm not convinced they've done anything to make it likely that they are going to be a lot better than they were last year. Um, you know, I know they've improved their staff, but I'm kind of expecting them to still struggle because they don't have the the fundamental components of uh, catcher and pitching coach that made them so good before last year like right I, you know maybe i'm maybe i'm oversimplifying it and maybe i'm buying into the whole the catcher is really really important and his his receiving and pitch calling and staff leading uh qualities are so important and that's that's why the the cub pitcher looks so much better without contreras and why the cardinals pitchers look so much worse with Contreras and his friends, but I'm just kind of expecting that narrow narrative to show up again this year, and them not to to look very good. And their poor players, the guys that are really expecting to contribute offensively, are not getting any younger. You know, so I think they're kind of expecting Arenado and Goldschmidt to return to form, and I don't know, maybe they're just getting old and. I expect the division to be winnable, but maybe not because the Cubs turn out to be so great, but because man, the rest of Everybody it could be. Else, a yeah. Ball. But yeah, who knows? You know, maybe Pittsburgh or Cincinnati turns into this year's in Arizona. I don't know.
1: Yeah, they certainly have the young talent to do it, and they the Pittsburgh is even spending money to extend some of that young talent. So maybe their owners finally starting to say, Yeah, maybe I should invest in this thing that I have that makes money. Going back to the Cardinals, does that mean you are admitting that Yadier Molina is a is a Hall of Famer now because of his extreme impact to to their squad? I,
0: I've kind of been on that train uh, somewhat quietly. <laughs> uh more and more over the last couple of years. There's just it, it just seems like there has to be a reason why so many so many people have said it. Yeah you know who, he's, he's who got the reputation.
1: Yeah he's gonna get votes
0: he's got the reputation. And, and I, it's I, I not because he's that. such a great personality guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there has to be a reason other than you know the fact that he's kind of a turd.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but he, he's like, you know, a polished turd in, in a way. Uh, because <laughs> he, he knows what he's doing. And uh, he was very good at doing it for a very long time. I guess like, you know, we we will have to see like spring training just barely started. Cody Bellinger isn't in, even in the game yet. There are a few regulars who haven't actually seen game action just yet. So there, there's still a lot to to go uh, before we get to opening day at the end of March. We, we will definitely see. I think we can be somewhat confident in the council effect if some of the prospects actually open everybody's eyes and make the roster yay great uh if not i I think there's enough depth that it's gonna fill all the obvious glaring holes so we're just done with phrasing right uh that this roster has so i i'm pretty happy with this offseason after all i guess uh if I had to give it a grade, I'd give it a B-plus at this point because an A obviously would have been, you know, we signed Josh Hader and Yamamoto and Otani. Maybe not Hader. I don't, I don't know. He he had some really weird tweets or something. But he's he's obviously still good at baseball. So yeah. you usually want the good players. And preferably not evil ones. But, you know, <laughs> there, there, there's not much you can do about some of these guys. <laughs> so you, you just hope that they're... Their uh, off-field issues aren't absolutely horrible, like some people.
0: I'm happy, but I'm also not satisfied. I'm confident that they, that the Cubs are done mm-hmm. making moves. Something tells me there's the the way that some of these little, you know, non-roster minor league signings, you know, some of the the auxiliary moves that they're that they've been making kind of just make me think there's a the trade that's gonna happen. Like yeah. I feel like there are enough players who might not make the team but don't seem like uh DFA material that there could be a that there could be a, a trade in the works. Um yeah. or at least that they might still be trying to to make a deal. I, I just feel like there's too much value that isn't exactly everything the cubs need to to fill every hole on the roster phrasing that could be really good fits somewhere else That that maybe we see the type of guy you'd expect to get dealt at the deadline maybe the cubs still make a a move maybe even with all the the seemingly good fits at first maybe the the cubs and Mets do make a, a deal for pete alonso or maybe there's a, a starter somewhere that they, the starting pitcher that they might add with a few, uh four a slash double a prospects, you know, it just wouldn't shock me. And actually it would be more surprising to me if the Cubs didn't make a trade before the season starts. Um, yeah. Like a significant one, not just trading wisdom for, you know, a different version of wisdom. But actually, an eye-opening, high-fiving, holy crap, we're going to do this trade.
1: Yeah, they have a month. They, that, that could still happen. Like, that, like you said, there's a lot of very useful pieces within this organization who need playing time, and they just can't give playing time to all of them. So let's see how, what they can bring back, uh, so that they, you know, whatever they bring back actually gets to play now so mm-hmm. it's just kind of goofy if you think about it but I, I guess people value players differently across organizations like i certainly I, I think i overvalue some people and undervalue others and then i see a trade and it it turns out it, it worked out and i obviously have no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah it turns out well, okay.
0: yeah don't That's you ever something. wonder like how many players could be really good if that, but they just kind of get trapped in the minors and never get their shot. Um, and they just like psychologically play differently at another level. You know, like how many Jeremy Lin's, how many Jeremy Lin's uh, are struggling in baseball minor leagues? Uh, and you know, they would just catch on fire if they found the right spot on the right team.
1: Yeah, it's like the perfect storm kind of philosophy. You just need the right coach and the right environment for a guy to tap into his full potential. But it's hard to say, say, right? And that's why even the people who make the big books can't do it right all the time. It's just so such a difficult sport. So, yeah,
0: like we talk so much about the I'm rambling on, but you talk about so much about the clutch gene. You know, is that a real thing? where you're able to perform under like intense pressure. But how much is there like a the non-clutch gene where players just can't perform when it's not a high pressure situation? Like right. like the same way that a what if the same way that a closer struggles when it's a non closing situation? What if somebody could be a real star in the majors just can't find the the motivation when he's playing in the minors? Yeah.
1: You need, need, need to find the equivalent of like a Robert Ori. Like, he he's just in the right place at the right time to get the game winning shot, even though he's like not an all star. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he has like seven rings because he's like the right guy at the right time. You know, <laughs> you just got to find yeah. that guy. And this
0: is like just another shot. Or, you
1: know, like that's, basically Matt, Matt, that's basically Matt Stairs, right? <laughs> like, he's just that guy, but he's been that guy for such a long time for so many different teams and people know him because he's Matt Stairs.
0: Yeah. Everybody's favorite beer league softball looking home run hitter who just happens to be able to to play major league baseball. Yeah.
1: A world series champion, mind you. <laughs> I, I always default to these guys are smarter than me. Uh, Whatever they decide, I have no control over anyway. So I just hope that they're right about it. And so far, like from the way the farm is shaping up, they've been right. Uh, From the way that they were able to turn like this ragtag group of whatever into a team that almost made the playoffs and can still definitely make the playoffs this year if they play right, if council effect is real. Like that's really cool. I think they're doing a lot of things that could be right. And I think you're also correct that they're not doing as much as they could, like an L.A. or a New York team could, because they're holding back somehow due to just some like, you know, there there's a percentage, a, a percentage of profit margin that you need to maintain. And if I don't get that percentage, then it's no longer viable. And Daddy Rickett stops giving us money. So we got to maintain that. There, there, there's some things that they can't do, but within the parameters that they've set, it seems to be a team that can make the playoffs. And as Arizona showed, all you have to do is make the playoffs and weird stuff will happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like this. Uh, well, that's why we got counsel council <laughs> because we think we think that we can get poor results on a Honda budget. <laughs> so like we'll do whatever we'll pay whatever for uh for Craig council because he'll just start laying the golden eggs for us and whatever we bring across his path he's gonna turn into gold i mixed my uh folklore metaphors (laughs) there but you get the idea
1: and whatever he's paid actually doesn't go against the luxury tax so you know go ahead and pay him So Mm -hmm. if there was no salary cap, I bet the Cubs would spend more. But it's that salary, the the fake salary cap, that's an issue. So we'll we'll, uh, convene again uh, after, I think, first cuts because that'll give us uh, more of an idea of how the roster is going to shape up. But uh, there are probably like 20 spots locked down out of the 26, and now they're just kind of fighting over who's going to sit on the bench and who's like your fifth starter and who's going to be like your extra relievers. But uh, I, I think we can tackle that some other day. But it's... You know, 2024, it it looks to be an interesting year at the very least. And I'm excited to see what happens, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. And maybe we'll get together again when the Cubs trade for Dylan Cease. We'll just see. Oh yeah. I
1: I hope that works out. Like there, there are like (laughs) (laughs) red flags with him, but I do like a guy who strikes out a bunch of people. So thanks for hanging out with me tonight, Adam. Uh, You can find us at obstructiveview.net. Our theme song was by Rich Deanna and the final app call from the 2016 world series, which some people forget was by old, by Randall Sanders. And uh, yeah, if there's nothing else, sir, I think we can call this an episode.
0: Sounds good. Uh, one oh, last yeah. shout out to Lisa for correctly predicting the Cody Bellinger deal.
1: Lisa loves you too. I'm, I'm glad she has a a normal name and not like WetButt23 or something.
0: So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But also shout out to WetButt23. Indeed. Reverie. It was more than just a game.